Many people have questions about AI and how it applies to the church. If you have concerns about using AI technology for your ministry, I would encourage you to listen to today's guest. He's the founder of Pastors.ai, next on the Church Solutions Podcast. It's the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by StreamingChurch.tv. The Church Solutions Podcast is all about helping you and your church with technology and other resources for your life and ministry. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. Welcome again to the Church Solutions Podcast. My name is Phil Thompson. And I'm Steve Lacey. Really appreciate people that uh, subscribe to our podcast, Steve. Uh, it, it's just good that uh, we have people out there that listen or watch, depending on what platform you're on. So we really just want to say a thank you to that right off the bat. And uh, we're, we're uh, very thankful for people that, uh, and we always want to get, you know, f- people's feedback on the podcast. So make sure you do that. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe and let us know what you think. So Steve, what's going on today for your, in your life? Um. It's just another week. I mean, nothing special. Got a new grandkid. So, That's right. You got uh, you got yes. grandkids. Now, how many you got? That was that makes number five. So yeah, he is. Two, he was born on a Wednesday, so it'll be weeks. two weeks or three weeks tomorrow. Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, time flies. My son's getting married in a couple of weeks, so uh, they say they want to have kids, but they're having a dispute. She wants to have four kids. He only wants to have two. So, uh, and I know either way that I know my wife's going to be babysitting so, a lot because your wife babysits a lot too, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he needs to learn early. She's yeah. always right. So. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on here. Uh, we're glad people are with us today. As I said earlier, Steve, we have a webinar that's coming up real soon, depending on if people actually listen to this before the webinar. Uh, when is the webinar and what's it all about? So we're having a webinar on November 14th, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, at 9 a.m. Pacific, Eastern noon, and it is on repurposing your sermons. So all right. we're going to go over some uh Tools and tips, and this is going to be uh, this our podcast guest today. Uh, we'll have a lot to say about this. Yes, he will. We'll get to him in a moment. So people can sign up for this webinar. It's free. It's only going to be about thirty minutes, thirty-five minutes, maybe a little longer with Q and A at the end. So people can sign up by going to webinar streamingchurch.tv. Yes, and uh, and and look if you if you miss this or you're listening to this two years from now. Uh, you can still hopefully we'll be around two years from now. <laughs> we, we, we've been around over 20 years, so I, I assume we will. But um, people can always go to webinar.streamingchurch.tv and see the latest webinar or uh, see some stuff in the past. I think there's a link on there for people to watch some of the past webinars. Am I right yeah, about that? You're correct, Amanda. Right. Good. Good. Steve said I was right about something. Somebody write that down. Yes. Let's make a note on that right now. All right. Let's get to our uh, guest today. So uh, this is episode 407. Today's guest has been an engineer in Silicon Valley now for 20 years. He's worked at some big tech companies like Intel and Samsung. And uh, you have a Samsung phone, don't you, Steve? I do not. Oh, you do not. I did. I have had many of them, but not right now. All right. Well, he's worked at uh, those kind of companies like Samsung and where uh, he was also the director of the AI Research Lab. And he recently 
founded Pastors AI, which is uh, actually chat GPT for churches. And he also recently won a nice prize at what they call the Hackathon, which was in Boulder last month. So let's welcome Joe Sue to the Church Solutions Podcast. Joe, how are you today? Good. Thank you for having me, Phil and Steve. Really looking forward to chatting with you. Yeah, we're glad to have you here. So, uh, so we got a guy here that knows all about AI. So, Steve, yeah. see if you can stump him. Well, um, I, you were asking what's new, and I guess the one thing that's new is not my personal life, but ChatGPT or OpenAI guys uh, just introduced their next generation model, and Joe's probably pretty happy about that. Um, I know we're yeah. kind of excited about it as well. So, yeah. it removes some limitations that. We're kind of hindering the church, I think, as well, just because we pastors tend to uh, speak for a long time. And uh, the chat GPT had some limitations on the amount of text it could process. And now that that boundary has been increased. So. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I yeah, want to yeah, just jump in here and say this. Sorry, funny. Joe, I'm, I'm cutting you off. But, uh, you know, I know that there and we'll probably get to this uh, in the podcast, but I know that there is some pushback from church leaders on 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 AI, right? And so I want I just want to encourage somebody listening to this if you haven't already left us <laughs> because you don't like AI. I, I encourage you to listen with an open heart here, an open mind because uh there are some really positive things about AI and uh we'll talk maybe we'll we'll ask about some of the other things about it, yeah. but uh, I just want to yeah. encourage our listeners to uh, so, you know, so let's, keep an open let, mind. let me get to the first question here. Yeah. So what um had a sounds like a very lucrative promising career in uh Silicon Valley and you I guess you've left that to start pastors.ai. Um what uh, was the motivation or what's the story there? Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess a couple things were happening at the beginning of the year. Uh, one was, you know, OpenAI Open AI came out with ChatGPT and made its API available for developers. And just given my work previously in, in AI, I really wanted to get my hands around this thing and see what it could do. Um, so that was one thing. And then the other thing was I had just um, kind of exited a, a season of extreme spiritual dryness. So like during COVID, like we stopped going to church, like online church wasn't doing it for me. Um, and then I also went through just some personal challenges in my life, some some mental health issues and stuff. And so I had a, a yearning to kind of re-engage with my faith. And so those two things kind of converged at the same time. I had kind of a, a technical curiosity around open AI, and I had kind of a, a spiritual re-curiosity uh, of re-engaging into the church. And so I thought, you know, I'm looking for a use case to apply this AI tech. I think faith tech is an interesting space. I actually done something in faith tech about 15 years ago. And this was kind of a forcing function for me to kind of, you know, go back to church and actually sit there and pay attention to the sermons. <laughs> um, and so uh, we built this thing and we thought, okay, sermons are a great thing to use for, for this open AI use case because these pastors spend dozens of hours a week putting out this content. And it's, it's actually a, a very good use case for applying AI tech to try to repurpose the sermon content into new resources that the church can use. So you were you were involved with AI before OpenAI um, kind of released their, mo their their big product. So you, you weren't associated with OpenAI, were you? No, no. Uh, so back in 2015, so I worked at the Samsung AI Research Lab in Silicon Valley. And this was before OpenAI. Um, and OpenAI was probably around, but no one knew about it. Uh, we had been working on some things called reinforcement learning and multi-arm bandits. 
And this kind of generative AI we thought was decades away. We thought it was like 20 or 30 years before we could see AI be, being creative. Um, and so when I saw ChatGPT came out, I was blown away. I thought, wow, these guys actually pulled this off, you know, much sooner than anyone thought. And so, um, yeah, that kind of, that background just gave me a thirst and uh, a stronger curiosity to see what this open AI thing could do. Yeah. So the, the open AI was really, um, I mean, a unicorn or a, a, a real true leader in this tech, right? I mean, this was, Oh yeah. I mean, it was yeah. really, they kind of spurred the, the revolution, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was AI had its various fits and starts between 2015 to 2020. That's the era where I started working in AI and it was more around data science and prescriptive analytics, um, being able to actually create content, generate content um, in a creative process. That that was earth shattering. Um, I, I'm sure people in the field saw this coming, but I, I certainly didn't. I, I thought, again, this was like 20 or 30 years out. Yeah. And then once they kind of crack the nut, I mean, there's been, it's, it's unleashed a frenzy, right? There's all, all the big guys that were kind of left um, going, what's going, you know, the, the Googles of the world, the apples of the world, the, all these guys that we assume are the big leaders in this space um, kind of saw that, wow, this is really something special. And how did we miss this? And I mean, you, you, yeah. you're part of that Silicon Valley world out there i assume they're they're playing catch up and they're they're moving yeah. really fast now or what's, uh, what's yeah. your view of the landscape there well a lot of people in silicon valley are wondering what's going on with google why are they not being able uh, not able to catch up um they're, they're trying i mean they have bard and they're they're putting forth a good effort but in terms of developer tools and a developer ecosystem it's, it's pretty much dominated by open ai now yeah. Do you, do you foresee that? Um, Phil, you're going to have to jump in here because I'm going to nerd out a little bit, maybe. <laughs> do you see that um, uh, that lead being retained with the OpenAI guys for the next few years? Well, I mean, uh, you probably saw with the OpenAI dev day yesterday, they just came out with a bunch of new stuff and you were alluding to like bigger context windows and, and cheaper GPT calls. Uh, for the time being, um, the vast majority of developer developers are working with OpenAI. They're not working with Claude from Anthropic. They're not working with Google's Bard. Um, so for the time being, at least, OpenAI is where all the action is. And, and why yeah. is that? Well, I mean, yeah, there's all these different ones coming out. Why is OpenAI such a... I mean, because it's free. I mean, Bard's free too, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what's the deal there? Yeah. Well, I think from a developer's perspective, there's just a lot more maturity in the ecosystem. Um GPT-4 is head and shoulders above GPT-3.5, for example. And everything else, Anthropics, Claude, Google's Bard, is probably on par with GPT-3.5. GPT-4 is, in terms of its reasoning capability, um, way ahead of its comp competitors. Yeah. And so developers are making AI applications. If they want a strong reasoning engine, uh, they would use OpenAI's GPT-4. But yeah, now, if I'm... I, I'm sorry. I want to stay on this for just a second because yeah, I was yeah I was same same kind of topic, but yeah. Well, uh, well, all right. Uh, we we tend to do this, Steve and I. We, we have <laughs> go ahead, doing this. We never know what we're doing. Uh, so I remember when when Chat GPT came out, uh, the content. Correct me if I'm wrong here. The content you couldn't get anything past the year 2020. Am I right about yeah, that? Yeah, they, they had a cutoff, um, and with this new release, the I think the knowledge cutoff is like April of 2023. 
So it, okay. it it's updated. Um, but from and and that's from the consumer's perspective. I mean, from a consumer's standpoint, they could either use Bard or ChatGPT. And for your typical consumer, they probably can't tell the difference. I mean, uh, if anything, Bard is probably better because it's so up to date and because it's it's integrated directly into Google Search. But from a developer standpoint, um, the OpenAI APIs and the tooling and infrastructure around OpenAI is is head and shoulders above anything else. So that's why you see AI developers working with OpenAI mostly. I saw a thing just yesterday that was that had all the scoring categories and they were kind of based on, I memorized them. You might know a lot about them, but it was things like, you know, high school math exam. Mm -hmm. And it showed all the different models and where the different models scored on a high school math exam or being able to um, generate code, um, software code. And, and they, they've all been evaluated according to these knowledge bases, you know, and I guess that's where, and it was, it was pretty evident. It showed all the, the older versions of chat GPT as well as the, it didn't have the, the one that was just announced, but uh, it didn't have chat GPT four in there. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the scores were all really good for, for them. Yeah. And from my own personal benchmarks, I mean, yeah, I, I know the secular world is looking at like AP bio tests and MCAT tests and all that, but look, just looking at Sherman content, uh, GPT-4 is is just way better than GPT-3.5. For example, you take a typical sermon, and at my church, my pastor doesn't tend to say the Bible addresses. Like he doesn't cite, you know, Philippians 4.13. He'll say, you know, Jesus said, would say things like this, and he would, you know, he would paraphrase the quote. GPT-3.5 can't determine that he was talking about Philippians 14, but, but GPT-4 can. And so little nuances like that, I've discovered um just makes gpt4 just so much easier to use and so much better at generating content how do i get that how do i get chat gpt4 i mean well, from I, a consumer's perspective you could just sign up on chat gpt for 20 bucks a month and you have access to gpt4 okay. um but for your typical church staff person who wants to you know repurpose sermons for example you guys were talking about um they could use a tool like ours or there's you know there's other tools out there as well and as long as they're using gpt4 um they they will get better results than if they use gpt 3.5 all right so, so you so you uh you uh <laughs> steve and i have only been doing these podcasts for what 12 years or so we still yeah. step on each other but you're okay you're the founder of pastors ai so i'm a pastor listening to this podcast what are some of the things, the features, why is this valuable to faith-based communities? Yeah. So the whole topic of repurposing sermons is, is one of the first use cases of, of faith tech uh, in, in, with AI. So you could take a sermon, and in our case, you can give it um, a sermon in the form of a manuscript, in the form of a YouTube video, in the form of an MP3 file, and it will automatically repurpose it to create sermon summaries and quotes for social media and daily devotionals and Bible study guides. Um, that can automatically get generated with our tool within five minutes once you give us uh, uh, a link to your sermon. Um, so there's some immediate value there for the church staff member or the pastor who wants to get more mileage out of their own sermon. Um, but our vision is to go well beyond that. I, I think repurposing sermons is going to be a commodity. It's going to be a commodity uh, service. Like, like there'll be multiple ways to do it. Some free, some paid. There'll be multiple tools out there. 
But our differentiator is that we can train a chatbot based off of an entire library of sermons. So a church can just point us to their YouTube channel and we'll slurp in hundreds, if not thousands of sermons, however many they have in their YouTube channel, and we can create a chatbot based off of it. And yeah. so you can imagine a churchgoer being able to ask any faith-related question to their pastor, and it'll come up with a very good coherent response that's compiled from very, the various sermons where they talk about that topic. So um, let's elaborate some more on, for, you know, uh, Joe, you and I are kind of living in this world, so we kind of know what trained the chatbot on the on this sermons means. How would you how would you explain to the very lay person the difference between an untrained chatbot and a trained chatbot? Yeah. So like Phil was asking how to use GPT-4, you can go to ChatGPT and you can ask any faith-related question. And it will give you a response based off of the entire corpus of data that ChatGPT is trained on. So the entire internet, basically. What we do is we don't give a response based off of random data it finds on the internet. We give it based off of a sermon's pastor, a sermon's a pastor's sermon. So it's it's trained specifically on on the corpus of data that the church provides. So it's not going to hallucinate. It's not going to go rogue. It's not going to find, it's not going to come up with responses that the church won't agree with. It'll be cited directly from the pastor's sermons. And so that that's kind of a, the difference between a, a you know a so, trained chatbot versus an so, untrained one. So there's, I mean, obviously some subtle disagreements within denominations and such. Mm -hmm. And so this would be, for example, it may answer consistent with the pastor's teaching or which would should be consistent with that that denomination as well, right? On on any kind of uh, sensitive topics that kind of fall in the borders between things. Yeah, that... yeah, exactly, exactly. One of the first questions I, I always ask to chatbots that I create, I, I try to ask really tough questions like, is homosexuality a sin? Uh, is it okay for Christians to divorce? And obviously every denomination, every church is going to have a different response to that question. And the beauty of what we're doing is that the response is based off of the teachings from that particular church. Um, because that's one of the first pieces of feedback we got was, hey, how do I trust this thing? You know, Phil mentioned there's a lot of skepticism in the church about AI, and, and rightfully so, because you don't know what ChatGPT is going to respond, uh, especially on nuanced topics that are very sensitive. And so we said, okay, we're going to train it only on your on your sermons. And for each point in the response, we're going to give you citation links back to that point in the sermon where you talked about it. So you know we're not hallucinating. This is directly quoted and, and referenced from your teachings in the past, Pastor. Okay. All right. Can I jump in here again? Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> so I got some stats here that I... Uh... Uh, I think I stole them from Kenny Jong's blog, and I put them on our blog, blog.streamingchurch.tv. A little self-glossing here, but let me read it to, some stats here to you, to you, Joe. Sixty-two uh, percent say they rarely or never directly use AI in their ministry work. Fifty-four percent are quite uh, are quite too extremely concerned about ethical issues with AI in the church. Forty-three percent are uncomfortable or anxious about using AI in their specific church. Uh, and then 17% say the church should 
resist or condemn AI use. Why, why do you think there's, there's, that's a pretty high percentage, 43% uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think that is? And how do you overcome that? Yeah. I mean, I think there is some healthy skepticism and, and anxiety around it, mostly because it's, it's not understood well, right? Like even AI researchers can't, they don't really understand what's going on under the hood, how an LLM goes layer by layer to deconstruct a question and, and come up with a response. Um, and so when a church leader looks at ChatGPT and starts asking it tough, nuanced, controversial theological questions, they're not going to agree with some of the things that comes out of it. Um, the The potential for hallucination also is, is very high. Um, and so to overcome it, I, I think one of the biggest things to do is, is just provide some assurance that this response is coming from your own body of work. You know, it's not coming from some random poster on Reddit that ChatGPT was trained on. This is something that was trained and responded to with, with your own content. And I think that will ease the concern quite a bit. Um, so, so for us, our first version gave a response, but it didn't include the citation links, for example. And that raised a lot of red flags from our, our users saying, hey, how do I trust this thing? You know, I never said that. Um, and so it was very important for us to, to figure out how do we reference our responses um, with, you know, timestamp links that go back to the sermon. Um, so, so that's our approach to addressing that particular challenge. So how, if it's only trained on the body of knowledge that, you know, the pastor had, what if there's something that comes up that he's in, hadn't spoken on? How does it respond? Yeah. Uh, so if we can't respond based off of the body of work, we just say, sorry, we never discussed that in our messages. Oh, really? Uh, but in, in our church, you know, it is, uh, I go to Menlo Church and we have 700 videos on our YouTube channel. Um, almost any faith-related question uh, usually gets a response. Um, but if it, it's something completely random, like, okay, like, uh, uh, I don't know, like, uh, who won the World Series, right? Uh, it, it's it's going to say, sorry, we never discussed that in our messages. Let's not talk about who won the World Series this year. We're from Arizona. We're from Arizona, so we're kind of yeah, disappointed yeah. in that, but that's okay. All right. Go ahead, Steve. I'll, I'll let you ask a question. Um, well, let's... You, you threw out a term there that not maybe not all of our listeners will understand. You said the the chatbot will hallucinate. What what does that mean? Oh, so ChatGPT uh, will always respond. Um, so unlike what we do at Pastors AI, where we say sorry, we never discussed in our messages. You go to ChatGPT and ask it anything; it's going to come up with something. And um, in doing so, it, it comes. Sometimes it'll answer in a way that is unverifiable or is just categorically wrong. Um, and, and that's called hallucination. Um, you know, the LLM is kind of trained to respond with with some sort of content. And um, if you push it enough, you can actually get it to contradict itself. And that that is a problem that we don't have. Because again, if, if we if it was not discussed in the body of work, we just simply output the response. Sorry, we never discussed that in our messages. Um, and if it was um if it was talked about at some point, you know, again, we give the citation link so that the user can go and actually see the YouTube video where the pastor talked about it. 
Actually, I know a lot of humans that contradict themselves too. So I guess it's pretty close <laughs> to real life, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So the, the training process. So if I'm, you know, looking to take advantage of some of these tools and, and, and what are some of the, what are the key reasons that as a pastor that I'd want to take advantage of these role, of some of these tools? Yeah, so I, I think the repurposing the sermons is is the main use case or the primary use case where okay, church staff, you know, they want to put up content on their Facebook pages or Instagram pages, uh, and they want to repurpose sermons to do that, but they don't have the time or the bandwidth to do so. Um, very easily, they can put their sermon into a tool like ours or something else, and and find and create sermon clips based off of it, for example. Um, or if they, you know, at my church, there's uh, a pastor who's in charge of small groups and they they put out content for the small groups to have their Wednesday discussions um, with an AI tool. They can they can generate a starting point very quickly and very easily. Um, and so uh, just getting mo- more mileage out of the sermons, I think, is a big use case. And yeah. then, um, again, our, our vision there is not just use it for internal chat, uh, church staff purposes, but use it for external purposes, meaning we want churchgoers and visitors to be able to go to the church website, click on a little chat widget, and be able to ask any question to the church, whether it's a logistical question about you know what, what time is Sunday service or tough theological questions like, why does God allow suffering? Uh-huh. So um, what if I'm, I have full-time staff and they're already doing that? Great. Um, you know, we're, it, tools like this aren't meant to replace staff. It's meant to augment their work. It's, it's meant to give them a starting point uh, where they can take it, edit it, and uh, use their own wisdom to, uh, uh, to put it in its final polished form. Um, mostly from my experience, it, it seems like church staff are, are overworked. And giving them tools to get get them to uh, ha- have to spend less time, you know, listening to a whole sermon and 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 extracting quotes from it, um, I think frees them up to do more pastoral activities. Do you, would you recommend um, starting with your own content and then having a a the AI uh, improve it, or just ask AI to generate this thing and then you improve it? Yeah, I, th- I think the latter. I, I think um, using these tools as a starting point will get you like 80% of the way there. And from the feedback we've gotten, pastors have told us, wow, this discussion guide is is better than anything I could have come up with. Um, and so we we want to give them a really good starting point and then um, have them kind of tailor it to their own uh, their own ministry needs. So speaking of some of the, f- the feedback, what, what are some other um observations you've seen or heard back from the churches that have embraced this and started to move forward you know talk to the guy that's on the other side yet that's not ready to stick his toe in the water yeah yeah well i guess there's kind of three cohorts the first is yeah they're blown away by it and and they want to use it and they're finding new use cases to use it you know we we have some pre-populated resources like the bible study guides and and devotionals where you know they can just kind of plug in and, and get started right away and uh, we have churches that are using that on a weekly basis. Um, the second cohort, I, I'd say, is is the skeptic that, um, you know, they see this tool and they may have some of the concerns you alluded to with, you know, oh, is this thing going to put me out of a job? Um, you know, this is work that I do anyway. This is work that, you know, uh, God has called me to do. I, I don't want an AI machine to, to take it over. 
Uh, so that's kind of the second cohort. And the third cohort is kind of a combination of the two where, you know, they're very impressed by the resources it, create, it created, but they're not really sure if they can use it in their normal workflow. Like perhaps they don't, they're not a church that has life groups where they provide um, discussion guides, or maybe they don't send out daily devotionals to their church based off of a sermon. And so for those folks, they're still kind of exploring the possibilities of, okay, we think that we know this AI thing is cool. I can, I can trust the content that comes out of pastors AI, but how do I use this in, in our church's context? Yeah, well, and that's a good question because even if they don't do those things, devotionals and those kind of things, maybe, just maybe, it's time to start, and this could make life a little easier. So if I'm a pastor listening, again, I'm putting on my pastoral hat here. I'm listening. I'm going, okay, yeah, I'm interested in this thing. Uh, maybe, maybe I should give it a try. Where do I start when it comes to using pastors AI? What's the starting point? What are what are the steps? Yeah. So if they go to pastors AI and click on the demo. All they need to do is put in a YouTube link of their last Sunday service. And in about 10 minutes, they'll get an email with all these resources ready for them. The devotionals, the Bible study guides, the quotes for social media. Um, so that, that's it. I mean, that, that we made it super simple for them to get started. Just give us a YouTube link and, and, and we take care of the rest. Wow. That is pretty simple. Is it? Is this free? Uh, it's free for demo purposes. So if you want to just okay. use it and, and get five resources per month, it, it's free. And then if you needed more than that, then then we just charge a, a nominal fee of 20 bucks a month. So you've I'm sure you've got people that have been on the other side of this that kind of maybe heard about this whole AI thing, but they've not ever done anything with it. Um, what has been some of the responses for, from people that have that had no exposure to it to like getting their, their demo stuff back? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's it's kind of that third camp where they're super impressed with it. They 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 think this thing is magical, and um, they they're just blown away. But yeah. yeah, they're they're still trying to get their heads wrapped around. Okay, is this something I can use in my in my regular workflow? And hopefully, with the resources that we provide, it just it just starts to create some ideas for them. Yeah. Maybe they don't use devotionals. Um, or you know maybe don't they don't provide Bible study guides for their small groups, but you know is this something that catalyzes that practice for them? That okay they can take a sermon and automatically generate this stuff, and then they can send it out through a, a drip email campaign to their church during the week. Yeah, um, and I've um, I kind of went through this process myself, and and I've been on the I was on the other side because you know we have mm -hmm. we have Siri, we have Alexa, we have all these different tools and, and you know we've been using them for years and you know, you're you're cussing your uh, echo box because it's not answering the right question and <laughs> that was i know for me that was my expectation when i went into the to the ai world as well this is going to be just more of the same thing with it having a you know hard time understanding what i want and and or taking what i input and give me something useful i was really blown away so i think i think most people are in that camp where if they haven't played with it yet, um, if they just try it a little bit, I think they'll really be impressed. Yeah, yeah. And, and with with the chat interface, yeah, I mean, we get some really random inputs and questions that people are asking. And, and that's why we kind of realized, okay, we, we need to give folks pre-populated questions where they just click a button and they could see, oh, okay, I can, I can generate a devotional. 
based off of my sermon or, oh, okay, I can ask it to give me quotes for social media. Um, so we're trying to be as prescriptive as possible and, and guide the user to say, okay, just click a button. You don't need to think about prompts. You don't need to think about anything else. Um, and it'll automatically generate those resources for you. And yeah. that hopefully opens up the uh, the imagination of the different possibilities that they can do with this thing. Yeah, uh, we're running out of time here, Joe, but uh, I have found personally, and I think Steve has too, and, and even Mike on our staff here have, have found it, the people that object to it or, or have really kind of major concerns about it have never experienced it, have never tested it, have never tried it. So, uh, and I think once they do, it might alleviate some of their uh, some of their concerns. So again, Joe Sue, uh, who's the founder here of Pastors AI, uh, tell us again where can people start with this? I know you said it earlier, but say it again. And uh, how can people start? Yeah, so go to pastors.ai, and there's a bunch of examples there. You can kind of click around to see how other churches are using it and the resources that we're generating for other churches, and then just click on the demo and input your YouTube URL of your last Sunday service. And then within 10 minutes, you'll get an email with uh, the resources we talked about that are generated from that from that okay. sermon. Is there any other thing besides YouTube? I mean, if, can I use uh, another link with some other yeah. video hosting? or For the demo, it, we only support YouTube. But if you were to um, you know pay 20 bucks a month and become a subscriber, uh, you can upload an MP3, you could upload your manuscript in PDF or doc form. Uh, so there's other ways to do it, but for the demo purposes, if you just wanted to use our tool for free, uh, you, you do need a YouTube URL. All right. How can people get a hold of you, Joe? Uh, uh, let's see. <laughs> I guess, yeah. On Pastors AI, we have an email address for support, which is help okay. at pastors.ai, and they can email us there. Um, and then one other thing I thought about, Phil, is if if their own sermons aren't on YouTube, then find someone else's sermons. You know, find find a Tim Keller sermon or a Francis Chan sermon and input that as a, as a demo URL and, and you'll see the, the resources that are generated from, from that particular sermon. All right. Sounds good. All right. Joe Sue has been our guest today on the church solutions podcast. We're out of time. Joe, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Phil and Steve. These were great questions. Enjoy yeah. our conversation. We, we always have fun on this thing. Thank you, Steve. And most of all folks, thank you for listening or watching the Church Solutions Podcast. Be sure and uh, catch us again on another episode. And, uh, you know, if you haven't subscribed to the Church Solutions Podcast, I'd encourage you to do so and uh, give us some feedback. We always love hearing from you. So um, for the whole team here at StreamingChurch.tv, uh, thank you so much for being with us today. We'll catch you again on another episode 